finishing up our series this week are We Are the Church. Uh, church isn't some place we attend, it's who we are. And when we, when we start to see the church that way, it's about reaching people again for Jesus. It's not about getting people to attend a place. And the first two weeks as, as we go through this, and I don't know if you saw in that picture, there's a bunch of people on top of a mountain, um, understanding that when we reach and work together, we can accomplish great things. Apart from each other and apart from other believers, we can't really accomplish the mission that God has for us. That's why, all, that's why we believe everyone's important. Because it doesn't matter where we stand or where, what we think of ourselves. We talked about last week, um, and we talked about in that first week, how remembering back to the early church, that God didn't, Jesus never said, attend a place. He said, go out and be witnesses to me. Now, we come together with the understanding that we will edify, we will build each other up, we will encourage each other. Iron sharpens iron. Lots of biblical examples of why we need to come together. But in our Western culture, we've redefined a church as a building. And that's really what Jesus, Jesus never intended that. Jesus intended that we live life together. Church is our cribbage tournament. Church is our women's Bible study. Church was our Super Bowl party. Those are church settings where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them is what Jesus says. So he shows up here Sunday mornings. I'm not saying don't go somewhere on Sunday mornings. I'm not saying that. I'm saying let's redefine why we're here on Sunday mornings. We're here on Sunday mornings to worship God, to minister to God, to give everything back to God, to get filled by God, to go out and empty it out again. That's why we come together on Sunday mornings. That's why we grow together Sunday mornings. God calls us to serve in a community. And when we start getting plugged in in our weekly meetings and we start serving each other, we really live out the statement that Jesus made of I've come to serve and not be served. He says in another place in Scripture, the sick or the healthy people aren't the ones who need a doctor, it's the sick people. And so we come together to serve each other, to build each other up. And it's not just a physical sickness, but it's a spiritual sickness that can be taken care of. When we start living and serving with each other in the, in the, in the context of the body of Christ, all of a sudden life takes on a new meaning. It's no longer once an hour I get to feel better, good about myself because I showed up somewhere. It's I found a purpose in my life, and that is to love and serve others. People today are looking for a purpose for their lives. If you look around at culture today, almost, I would just, and I can't give you a study on it, but I guess 90% of the problems would get solved is if people knew they had a purpose and what that purpose was. And that's why we named our church Bridge Church. Because we want to lead people to an authentic, life-changing encounter with Jesus. And Jesus gives us purpose. I want to mention a couple quick corrections from last week's message as I was going through and listening to it. I talked about a study by Henry Blackaby. I said it was experiencing worship. It's actually experiencing God. Experiencing worship is another study that I did. Good study as well. But experiencing God is a great one. The second one is I wanted to expand just a minute on, the fo on that following Jesus. We need to understand that there aren't always going to be good answers for problems. We're not always going to get the answers we want. And so when, when life gets hard, which it will, 
understand it is not our job to try to take away that pain as much as it is to walk with it, through it with people. Because we don't have answers to all the problems in the world. We serve the one who does. But even when we come to God with those why questions, we don't always get the answers we want because it still doesn't make sense. My focus is on my race. Your focus needs to be on your race. Don't try to be like someone else is why I'm saying that. We run together, but if I try to do what Wayne's been called to do, I'm missing out on the purpose that God has for my life. The same way if any of you guys see somebody else. Now, as a pastor, and there's a danger with being a pastor and going to conferences of wanting to copy other people. We want to be like this church. You know, for Minnesota, we want to be like the waters, or we want to be like River of Life, or we want to be like River Valley, those churches that seem to be growing and God's doing great things. And and as a pastor, a lot of times you'll, you'll try to take what they're doing and you think that's going to change the direction that you're headed. Well, as much as you guys would probably like it, I'm not going to be a Doug Vogley or a Rob Ketterling. I'm going to be a Gene Thompson because that's who God created. The good, the bad, and hopefully not as much bad as good, that is me, is who God's called us to be. And we're not going to copy other churches is why I say that. We're going to seek for what God has for us. With leaning on God and leaning on each other, we can use that as a catapult to become who God's called us to be in Rice. And when I say Rice, I'm talking a 10-mile circle around Rice is who we pray for. I've got a map that says, here's our 10-mile circle around Rice. And that's what I pray for that God reaches. Why? Because 10 miles this way and 10 miles that way are other great churches that I just don't want to pray about. They're people. They can have their people. But there are a lot of people out there who don't know Jesus yet. And our job is to reach them. And I say all that to understand that I don't have all the answers, but God will give me what I need when I seek him and the strength I need to make it through it. I don't have to control the outcome, and I don't have to get a satisfactory explanation from God. I just need to have a small grain of faith to trust that he's good. So if you're going through some stuff today, and all you got is that faith of the grain of a mustard seed, it's enough faith to make it through it if you believe that God is good all the time. The title of today's message is made for mission. How many of you today, if you were honest with yourselves, believe that when we say go all in for Jesus, instantly you think you need to become a minister, a missionary, work somewhere in the church, or live as a pauper somewhere, broke. How many of you guys get those instant images when, we, when churches talk about selling out for Jesus? It's okay to shake your head, yeah. Because I think that's a misconception the church has given people. Jesus never said any of that. He said he's given some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers. But again, he goes on to say the whole body is important. Your greatest ministry is probably going to be at home with your family. Selling out for Jesus, that may be the greatest ministry you ever have. 
is your family. Some of you have used excuses of when my kids get older, then I'll do more and follow Jesus. Or how about this one? When I get my finances in order, I'll be able to give more away. Or this question, when I get through this season in my life, then I can get more involved in the church and serve. We've all come up with those excuses, haven't we? We have an excuse, and we all know, if you're honest with yourself, does life ever slow down? No. You go from one thing to the next. You know, I thought we'd get through our grand opening and things might slow down a little bit. I'm on to the next step. And that's our theme this year, isn't it? It's what's next. It's not I've reached the pinnacle, but what's next? What do you got for me next, God? Life never slows down. Our finances never get to where we want them to. And our kids will always be there. No matter how old they get, they will always be there. And so instead of using excuses, and I'm going to get into this again a little bit later, maybe God's calling us to be obedient right where we are with what we have right now. An illustration of that is one afternoon, author Patsy Claremont found herself on an airplane sitting next to a young man. She writes, I had already observed something about this young man, and when I asked, and when I was being seated, he called me ma'am. At the time, I thought, either he thinks I'm ancient, or he's from the South where they still teach manners, or he's in the service. I decided the latter was the most likely, so I asked, you in the service? Yes, ma'am. What branch? Marines. And, she, and she's like, hey, Marine, where are you coming from? Operation Desert Storm, ma'am. No kidding, Desert Storm? How long were you there, I asked. A year and a half. I'm on my way home. My family will be at the airport. She then commented that I must, that he must have thought about, re all right. She then commented that he must have thought about returning to his family and home many times while he was in the Middle East. Oh, no, ma'am, he replied. We were taught never to think of what might never be, but to be fully available right where we are. So Jesus is asking us this morning, are we fully available to him right where we are today? Not when things get right. Not when my marriage gets better. Not when my kids grow up. Not when I have a better vehicle. Not when I have all my bills paid. But am I ready to serve Jesus today right where I am? Our mission as a church and the reason we exist isn't to be a clubhouse for the religious folks, but to be a hospital for hurting people. The church doesn't exist for us. We exist to proclaim Jesus, his hope, his peace, his good news to the world. It's why our mission statement is we, we exist to lead people to an authentic, life-changing encounter with Jesus. And we do that through connecting with people growing with people, serving people, and going to reach people. The common thread in all that is people. Without God leading the way, and without the heart for the broken, we can't become a church that God called us to be. Before Jesus left the disciples, he gave them a few parting commands. 
Go ahead and go to the next slide. Next one. Okay. Before Jesus left, he, he gave a few parting commands. We need to understand in the Bible when Jesus gave commands, they weren't suggestions. I know, completely. Jesus gave us a purpose. He gave us a mission. Those who desire to make an impact in the world need to listen. We need to listen to what Jesus said. Two of his final commands are found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And in Acts 1.8, they go together. Again, the Bible isn't meant to be read in fragments. It's meant to be read as a book in one solid thing. And Matthew 28.19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And if you go on to Acts 8, after Jesus talks with these guys for a little bit, after that was made, he's like, okay, now you guys, the job's big, so go back and wait. Go back and wait for the gift of the Father. Go back and wait for the gift he promised you. And that's where Acts 1.8 comes in, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the earth. So, dear Heavenly Father, as we look at those scriptures this morning, let them begin to burn in our heart that you called us to love people. You called us to serve people. And you called us to lead people to a real relationship with you. And so, God, we just ask you to just continue to work through us this morning. If we need to change a thought process, help us change the thought process. But, Lord, our heart is clay in your hands, and we're asking you to mold us in the image you need. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we talked about a little bit earlier about being all in, being all in for Jesus. If you play poker, it's pushing all your chips in. I know years ago you couldn't play cards in the Assemblies of God, so, but today we play cards. So we're pushing all our, everything in. To sell out doesn't mean I abandon my family because God didn't give you a family to leave them. Okay? To be all in doesn't mean I have to throw away all the plans that are going on in my life. To be all in with Jesus doesn't mean I have to quit my job and go to a foreign country. To be all in means I surrender my right here, my right now, to be what you've called me to be in this time. Let me say that again. To be all in means I surrender everything I am to you, Jesus. And right now, I need you. So I'm hoping that this morning, that that calms some of your fears. To be all in for Jesus doesn't mean I have to go to the foreign missions field. Your greatest missions field may be your job. Your greatest missions field may be at one of your kids' events. Your greatest mission field may be when you go out to coffee with a bunch of with a group of people you've always gone gone to coffee with. 
and the Holy Spirit prompts you to say a little something, something to them. But in most cases, your greatest mission is your marriage and what people see in that marriage. If you're married. If you're not married, your greatest mission is being single and doing it the way God's called you to do it. We, we don't, there is no cookie cutter way to follow Jesus. Now understand this morning, some of you may be getting that little prompt in your heart that God says you were called to missions. I'm not giving you an out on that. If God's asking you to become a missionary, asking you to go somewhere to reach people, go with it. Because he's going to prompt some people, somebody listening this morning, that that's what he's calling them to do. I'm not giving you an out on that in any way. I'm saying we need to listen to what God's called us to become. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. God called me to come up here to Rice. It wasn't because Emo asked me to come up here. Because I had an opportunity years before that to come up here and didn't. God had had a different plan that I had to walk through some stuff first before I was ready to come up here. I truly believe that. That's how Mike met me. Is because I sat in our prayer room that we did at a church that we started, and very clearly, God says, this is where I want you to go for a time. I went there, and then guess what? God said, I'm done. I said, okay, and I left there, and I spent weeks praying again. God, where do you want me to go next? And that's when it happened that I got together with Emil and we sat down and talked and prayed about it. It wasn't because I was asked. It wasn't because they could offer me a lot. It was because God was in it. The basic definition of mission. Webster's Dictionary says it's the act of insistence of sending. The basic definition in the Bible through Baker's Evangelical Evangelical Dictionary says, Mission is the divine activity of sending intermediaries, whether supernatural or human, to speak or do God's will so that his purpose for judgment or redemption are furthered. The biblical context is expressed by the use of verbs, meaning to send. Normally with God, it's expressed as a subject. So when we talk about a mission, it's understanding that we're sent on a mission. We don't attend a mission. We take the mission and go. See, Jesus called every one of you this morning to be ministers of the gospel. He didn't just call pastors. He didn't just call apostles. He didn't just call prophets. Jesus, when he was talking in Matthew 28, 19, wasn't just talking to the 11 disciples. He was sent a command that said, you all are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go and share the good news of me. Jesus was called the sent one. Right? So doesn't it make sense that he would send us? A couple of steps real quick to understand our, as I, wrap, as I just start winding down a little bit this morning, is understanding the first step in understanding all this is Jesus called you. So you don't have to worry about what to say. 
you're called. The minute, and I, I love this, he chose you, you didn't choose him. And when Jesus to- chose you, he called you. Now, you may not think you're qualified to share the gospel with people. I can guarantee every one of you have got a testimony that you can share. This was God before. This was God when I got saved, and this is what God's doing for me now. In fact, that's one of the challenges in a, in a devotional I'm doing right now, is to challenge you people this morning to a three-minute testimony. One minute, this was my life before Jesus. One minute, this is my life with Jesus. Third minute, this is where Jesus has taken me. You can all do that, right? It's only three minutes out your life. Now we suggest starting with family. Because it can be uncomfortable sharing that with people you don't know right away, right? But what if that was just a, a simple how we lived our life? Everybody we ran into who's going through something, we shared who we were before God, who we are today with God, and what God can do for them. So the first thing to understand in that is you're chose, you're called. The second step is being obedient right where you are. Don't get overwhelmed with the big picture. Building a church and, and, and growing our, our, our body, I could very easily get overwhelmed with where I can see us going and miss the right here. And I, I don't want to miss what God's doing right now because of what he might do down the road. And so pay attention where you're at today. Jesus was called the sent one, so it figures he would send us. And remember in Colossians 3.17 it says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So tomorrow morning, well, your kids don't have school apparently because it's supposed to be cold. Tuesday, when you go to school, Understand that whatever you do, do it all as a representative of Jesus, giving thanks to God. All of a sudden, your friend's going to start looking at you like you're a little bit different, and they're going to start asking you questions. You go to your job tomorrow morning. You do it better than anyone else there because of what Jesus has called you to become. We don't do it for the job. We do it for Jesus. We don't go to work. To, we do go because they pay us. <laughs> but do it like you're representing Jesus doing it. The second thing is Jesus invites us from sitting to following. So we need to share Jesus wherever we go. The whole purpose we're around is to bring glory to God. The mission of, of Jesus was to bring glory to the Father. The reason we get together Sunday mornings is to worship God. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5, 5 18 through 20 says... And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us a wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. How many of you guys see yourself as Christ's ambassador? When you go to work tomorrow, are you going to see yourself at that job as Christ's ambassador? And God is speaking through you. 
Or do we like to stifle that? We tell people we go to church on Sunday. We don't speak like it on Monday. God says, I'm not counting people's sins against them anymore because Christ is speaking through you. Understand that, again, as a church, we support missions. We support missionaries, which are the sent ones that go across the world. We have some that we support in the Middle East. We have some that we support in Japan. We have youth ministries we support. We have a group of inner, inner city youth, our youth from, that we take to the inner city. We have local missions we support. Why? Because the Bible says that in Acts 1.8, it starts in Jerusalem. So it starts in our home. And then it goes to Judea and Samaria, our 10-mile circle around rice, around our homes. You can draw a 10-mile circle around your home if you want to, and then to the ends of the earth. So why do we support missions? Because it's the heart of God. God supports reaching the lost, reaching those who've never heard. The Christian mission of sharing Christ, though, doesn't end when somebody says a sinner's prayer. The Christian mission was to make disciples. We a lot of times think we get him to say that prayer, we're good. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Christian missions involves not only evangelism, but now walking with, through life with them to maturity in Christ. So step three in that whole process is to make disciples, or step four is to make disciples. You've been obedient, or you've been called by God to be obedient right where you are, to follow, to share, and to show Jesus to all you come in contact with. God made you for a mission. What if every one of us this morning had the attitude of one more? There's one more out there that needs to know Jesus. Here's a, here's a quick math equation. If everyone here was to go out and grab one more, we'd double next week in how many people know Jesus. So if we can, if we can get the mindset of there's one more that needs Jesus, I believe we'll see Jesus start to do things. And so this morning, your prayer is going to be, Jesus, would you use me to reach one more? Jesus, would you help me find that one person? Because as, we, as, I, end up, as I wrap up this morning, understand that you were never called to fit in. You were called to be different. Society doesn't get to label you God made you for a mission. You're here this morning, not an accident, but God made a way for you to be here this morning.